This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Ginger Minge, and I'm back with another exciting episode of Local Queen, where I get to travel around the country, the world even, and talk to some of my favorite people. Now, I know that I'm always excited to talk to our guests, but if you're an avid listener of this podcast, you know that for the last couple of episodes, I've been talking to people that I've known for a long, long time. And while that's fun, I don't feel like I really get to know anything new to share with you. This very special guest that I have with me today is somebody that I've I've known for a long time, known of for even longer. And I feel like we run kind of parallel in the same circles, but we've never gotten the chance to really sit down, have a heart to heart and become true blue friends, which I'm sure we will be by the end of this podcast. Please help me welcome our very special guest, the 50th anniversary Miss Gay America, Dextasy. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I am so fabulous. You look so dapper. Thank you. Not bad. Not bad for after a week of Miss Gay America. (laughs) I know. So you have officially been Miss Gay America for how long now? Um, it's this Thursday will be two weeks, two weeks. And I got to sit down and I, I pre-ordered the, the live stream. I paid my $40. We made our food. We sat down and we watched that entire pageant from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was like, please, I know it's the 50th anniversary. We are begging for some plus size representation. I wanted you or Shalita and look at the two of you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm so thrilled that you were victorious because I think your journey with the Miss Gay America pageantry system has been very inspiring for a lot of people, including mm-hmm. myself. Um, I feel like it's extra special that it's the 50th anniversary. Yes. And it was such a hell of a pageant this year because it was the first one. Was there a pageant last year? No. No, uh, COVID put a skip in it. Nope. So we didn't get to have an official 2021. We did not. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that struggle, you know, <laughs> we've all had to kind of lose a year of our lives um, in pageantry and, and drag race, all these things. They came to a screeching halt whenever COVID hit. Um, did you find that that worked against you or for you in going back to capture the title? I definitely feel that it worked with me. It worked the better for me. And the reason I say that is right before the COVID pandemic, I did go through weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. So it really, really helped me reflect on myself and get my health in order to obviously being a, being the best national title holder you can be, you have to be healthy and in the right mindset yourself to represent a country and a legacy. Yeah. So really, it helped me challenge myself on personal goals versus just drag goals. 
Yeah. And I think that that is so important because whenever you are a representative, you have to be able to represent yourself as well. And I've learned in the past, just from my own mistakes, when I didn't really understand who I was or why I wanted that certain thing, Mm -hmm. I was never going to be able to win it because there was no clear trajectory. Yep. So just a short little Reader's Digest version for all of our listeners out here. Who is Dex to see? Where is she from and what does she do? Absolutely. Well, my given name is Dex Poindexter. Yes, like Dex, Dexter's Laboratory. (laughs) I'm 33 years old where I live in Monroe, Louisiana, which is the original home of Delta Airlines. Not to be confused with Atlanta, which is the corporate headquarters now. But yes, Delta did start in my hometown. Now, Um, I am a Delta girl. I I am a a Diamond Medallion member. I have been for years and years. I love that airline. I'm still a little bitter that they're purple now instead of the blue because I love blue. Exactly. But just a quick shout out to Delta and Susanna, who works for Delta. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Oh, you're good. Um, Professionally, I work as a quality assurance manager for a private collections firm. And by night, I create the illusion of Dextasy. Um, I've been doing drag for about 13 years now, and I've been competing for Miss Gay America for 12 and a half of those same years. Um, So with the growth of my drag and development really was because of Miss Gay America and the fundamentals that that pageant system taught me. And that's what she does. So during the Monday through Friday, I'm a corporate guy. And then on the weekends, I'm a cross-dressing maniac. <laughs> I love all of those things. <laughs> so I think it's it's really important for, especially like the, the newer kids that are just getting into drag, to really realize what the legacy of pageantry is. Mm-hmm. Because before there was a drag race, and yes, of course, I love drag race, don't get me wrong. But before that was an option, the only way to really up your booking fee, get yourself known and become a celebrity was to compete and win in these national pageants. And Miss Gay America is the is the national pageant, it's the longest running in the history. Yeah. So um <clears throat> I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. No, I'm just, I'm choking. <laughs> I talk too much. That's why. Um, so can you give me just a quick little like rundown of the Miss Gay America pageantry system and, and maybe tell like all of our listeners where they can get more information about it? Absolutely. So first and foremost, you can get more information about Miss Gay America at www.missgayamerica.com. Um, that will provide you with the category description. It'll also provide you with all the list of formers the job summary, everything that entails to be Miss Gay America or a potential contestant. Um, Miss Gay America was founded in 1972 by a man named Jerry. Um, Jerry is from Nashville, Tennessee, where he owned a bar called the Watcher Watcher Tailcoat and Hat Saloon, I believe is the name of the bar, (laughs) where he came up with and birthed the Miss Gay America pageant system. Now, back in those days, it was truly taboo for men to, you know, be in drag or women's clothes, you know, very, very illegal at that time. So he started this pageant system, and the first winner of the pageant was Norma Christie from Arkansas. And then after Norman won, he assumed ownership two years later, where he then really built the legacy of Miss Gay America over a circuit of 35 years. 
And Miss Gay America does pride itself in being the longest running, most prestigious pageant in the country and the world for female impersonators. What sets Miss Gay America aside from the other pageant systems is that Miss Gay America, you do have to live your life as a man and you create the illusion of a woman, which to my knowledge is the only pageant system that is that, that brand that Mm. stands alone. Um, So that really does make Miss Gay America unique in that it's the full transition into a woman. Miss Gay America has been around now for 50 years and it's went through some different types of ownership in February of 2006 Larry Tiger and Terry Eason did buy it from Norma Christie Incorporated. And then 10 years later, exactly on the dot, um, Mike and Rob, right? uh, I'm sorry, Mike and Rob of Mad Angel Entertainment, they bought it from L&T. So it's went through four uh, four different sets of owners. But I think the reason that Miss Gay America does stand long and tall is that of obviously the history that comes behind it. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite entertainers over the years are former Miss Gay Americas. Like one of my favorite people in the whole wide world is Larry Edwards, also known as Hot Chocolate. Absolutely. Um, Vegas legend. You know, Tina Turner was my idol growing. Oh, she's still my idol. Who am I kidding? Um, and, and he just completely embodies her and always has. So yeah. even before I knew Miss Gay America was a thing, I was so obsessed with with Larry and his entire style of performance. That is so funny you say that because before I even knew what drag and Miss Gay America was, Larry was the first Miss Gay America I saw, but before I even knew what it was. Me too. And the reason that I saw that was because he was headlining Lacage in Vegas. Lacage, mm-hmm. the the impersonation show, not the musical. For those of you who yeah. listen to this podcast, yes, I'm doing a musical that is <laughs> the Birdcage was based on that. It's a totally different thing. Yep, still called Lacage, but this was a different thing. So it's celebrity impersonation. It was in Vegas for years, and my parents used to go to Vegas every single year, and they would always come back with pamphlets and books and all that kind of stuff from mm-hmm. everything that Vegas had to offer. And the one thing that I was obsessed with was this drag queen, Tina Turner. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until years later when I was helping my my mom move things out of her old house that I found this box of stuff. And I was like, that's Larry. I literally have been obsessed with Larry since I was like 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, perfect example. You know, Larry, you know, he got his, you know, his some a lot of his foundation in Miss Gay America. He won stuff like Miss Gay Atlanta, Miss Gay Texas, Miss Gay Florida, like, so many things, and then ultimately was crowned Miss Gay America 1980. And Larry, aka Hot Chocolate, is one of the most successful celebrity impersonators in history. Mm-hmm. So I think it's yeah. so awesome that he's one of those pioneering ladies of the America system. And I think Miss Gay America, you know, we've also got Cody Collins, who oh, yeah. is the Reba impersonator. And I don't think anybody would ever dispute that, considering Reba McIntyre herself said, you are me. You come on tour with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cody was just such a dear person. Yes. Um, the only person who ever convinced me to run for Miss Gay America. The one time that I, I did it. If you yeah. see my, my I, I pulled out my crown just for you. We have, me too. This is my mini crown over here. <laughs> which, which crown is that? This is, uh, it was a, a city prelim. Uh-huh. Um, I did not 
end up doing the state prelim mm-hmm. because I was so invested in the Miss Continental Plus system. Yes. You know, like you said, you found your footing with Miss Gay America. It made you who you were. Yep. I felt like that's what Continental Plus did for me. And I got a lot of pushback. Um, in my head, I was like, oh, I don't think it's really going to matter. I'm just going to kind of do what I always do and, and, and try everything. Mm-hmm. But I realized that it would impede my journey with with Miss Continental Plus. Absolutely. So I took a step back from it. And the one thing that always stuck with me was one judge from this, this city prelim told me, I don't know why you're doing this pageant because I feel like you're too fat and you're too feminine. And Cody mm-hmm. came in like a mama bear and said, you don't say that. That's not what this is. This is about talent. This is about consistency. Yeah. And it really showed me in that moment exactly what and who uh, a national title holder should be. Yeah, for sure. She, she knew everything about that system and she knew exactly what um, what the overall vibe of it was. Not even what the little details were. Mm -hmm. But she knew the vibe and she knew that I had the vibe and she pushed me to really give it a try. Definitely. She's, she's the bomb. And she's one of those people that before, during, and after the crown, Cody Collins has always represented what a Miss Gay America should be both on and off stage. Like when I first heard about Miss America, I obviously put it in Google and here comes the pageant documentary. And then I watched the pageant documentary, Cody Collins loses and as ironic as it is, as the years go by, the first time I ever got to go watch Miss Gay America in person, Cody Collins wins. And I, <laughs> I just came undone because I watched pageant every night the year I was 21 years old. And I go to Miss Gay America to watch and Cody wins. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> well, there was, uh, the funny thing about pageant is I was living with Chantel Roche. Oh, wow. Throughout that whole documentary while they're filming it, then while it premiered and while it grew and became this big thing. Yeah. And it was always fun to watch it every year right before Miss Gay America. And then yes. inevitably, one of those characters that you fell in love with were winning. Like Victoria DePaula won and then Cody Collins won. And we just sat there going, all right, Chantel, I can't wait to see your turn. And then she threw us all for a loop and said, no, nah, I'm going to go try something new. And she went and she won sure did. Miss Continental Elite. She sure did. I actually, um, I crowned Chantel Roche, Miss Gay Southern States in 2016, which strangely enough, that was the same night as the Orlando Pulse shootings. Yes. How well, crazy is that? That is very <laughs> crazy. I... I remember so much of that time and I remember none of that time because yeah. it was so like, it was like everything stopped and just stood still, just frozen in the air for so long. Mm-hmm. And then flash forward and we're, we're not celebrating. We're, we're uh, crying five years later and, and exactly. all that. Like, it's, it's really insane how um, traumatic events like that really kind of, shape a community, change mm-hmm. a community, and are always forever just kind of stuck in time. Yes, completely agree. Yeah. Uh, but we've talked about Pulse before, and <laughs> we'll <laughs> talk about happy things right now. Happy so, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Who was the very first Miss Gay America that you ever saw in person? Um, before I even knew what drag was, it was hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had to rewind my brain and go, oh, after I fell in love with Miss America and connecting the dots of who's who, Larry Edwards was actually the first. But when I knew what Miss Gay America was mm-hmm. from that point forward, Nicole Dubois was actually oh. the uh, first Miss Gay America that I knew was a Miss Gay America and I knew what Miss Gay America was. And I actually live two hours north of where she always used to perform. Mm-hmm. So when I kind of put who's who together and started stalking people on MySpace, yes, MySpace. Back in the day. Right. So I went to this gay bar in the middle of nowhere and there's Nicole Dubois and I'm just having a cow. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a Miss Gay America. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, Larry and Nicole. And then, so, um, my first experience with Miss Gay America, I was telling you about, is when Larry and Terry owned the pageant. Uh And I know that they got such a a bad rep for a while of being, like, super strict. Is Mm -hmm. that something that was particularly on them? Or was it something with the system in general? Or has it changed? Has it grown? I, I just ask, because I know that there's a lot of people who have said, I would do it, but I feel like it might be just a little too many rules for me to handle. Yeah. And see, that's where a lot of people get so confused and misconstrued about Miss Gay America. Miss Gay America, as long as you're a person of integrity, if you're organized, if you say you walk the walk in your everyday life, Miss Gay America comes very, very natural for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I will say that throughout the time of Miss Gay America in its 50 years, there are different things that the owners influence different or have a stricter guideline on. For example, in the Larry and Terry days under LNT Entertainment, they used to not allow any unnatural hair colors to be worn with your crown, where when Matt Angel Entertainment took over, they allow you to wear a neon colored wig or a fluorescent orange hair with your crown on. Little things like that, but all in all, regardless of who the owners have been of the pageant system, They've all been very dedicated to the rules and the structure of Miss Gay America. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be you have to have a long sleeve gown and up to your neck and you have to (laughs) do this or do that or whatever. But all in all, Miss Gay America is very resilient. But again, people are very scared of structure. And if you are scared of structure, it's not the structure that you think it is. It's just about being punctual, being dedicated, having integrity, doing the right thing in front of closed doors as well as behind them. And that's what Miss Gay America is all about. So it's all about being a professional. And I really think that that, that kind of goes with any job that you take, any job that means something to you. Actually, let me, let me strike that. Yeah. Any career. Because a job is a job, but a career is a passion. And I feel like if you are dedicating yourself to that, you really, you should be as professional as possible. Now, Continental Plus always taught us if you're on time, you're already 15 minutes late. That's right. 
And that is something that I still take with me to this day to every booking, every every runway on Drag Race, every single thing. Yeah. The other girls make fun of me all the time because they're like, look, there's Ginger. She's in the corner. She's already had her cigarette and she's ready to hit the stage. Right. And I think Miss Gay America, when people say the structure is very intimidating, what I think it is, is Miss Gay America is the the pageant system that really puts the job duties and how to win and obtain that job pen to paper better than any pageant system. Miss Gay America truly, truly does give you the recipe to success. It gives you a rule book. It gives you subcategories. And it also orientates the judges, on the other hand, to follow those things. So really, Miss Gay America... There's a lot of rules and a lot of moving pieces, but in the end, as long as you can comprehend it, it's not hard at all. Well, <laughs> I, say that, I say that after 12 years, but it's not hard at all, but it is. But there, there is a lot that goes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you manage, and I know you're just kind of jumping into this position. Mm-hmm. You, well, you've had it for about two weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage like a full-time day career and a full-time nighttime career because being a national title holder, that that's a full-time job too. Yeah, it is. So luckily um, during the pandemic and during some other stages of my life, I really tried to groom myself in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So if and when the time ever does come to be Miss Gay America, I can hit the ground running. So all of my personal time from work, PTO, personal time, sick time, it all gets budgeted away for Miss Gay America. And I have truly built my entire adult life around Miss Gay America every year. So when the pandemic hit, it really did allow me to cushion myself and have the flexibility that I need that if and when the day comes, it it works. And I have a great staff back in my day job that supports me wholeheartedly in everything that I do. And thankfully I have that foundation. So when I do have to get on a plane and do Miss Gay America things that the, the wheels just keep running at the office. So it's really been about time management and, and really prioritizing my life effectively from every aspect. <laughs> I want to do a follow-up episode towards the end of your reign uh-huh. where we see how much has actually applied and how much has changed. Exactly. And how many teeth I've lost or how bald I'm <laughs> doing. Or, yeah. So... I want to talk a little bit about Little Dex. Like, was Dex always your name? Dex to see, was that always your drag name? Um, what what was she when she first burst upon the scene? So I graduated high school in 2008. And as every senior boy or someone that's very involved in their high school extracurricular, you've probably done crazy things that got you to doing things you do now. So back in those days at West Monroe High School, there was an activity called the Powder Puff Game. And what this was is where boys dress like girls and girls dress like boys. So cheerleaders and dance uh, dance line girls, they would be football players. And then guys that were involved in stuff like choir, theater, football, we would all in turn dress up like homecoming queen, the court, the maid of honor and all that stuff and cheerleaders. So through the first few years of high school, I was always a cheerleader or a kicker person. But my senior year of high school, somebody was like, you need to be on the court. You need to wear a dress. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did it. And in our rule at our high school was 
is that whatever your female name is, it has to be a, a version of your boy name. Okay. My boy name is Dex, but there's not a girl name that has Dex in it. You know, I thought of Dextiny or things like that. But uh, something happened with a family member that got popped for drugs. <laughs> and I was like, what, what happened to them? And they were like, well, she got popped with possession of ecstasy. And I said, oh my gosh, there's the name, Dextasy. I love it. So that's how the name came about. So really it was a high school dare and then a drug bust. That's how the name came about. Then I graduated. And when I graduated, I didn't do anything like choir or theater anymore. I just really worked hard at, at this restaurant I was working at. But then there was a local guy um, who owned a gay bar and he dared me. He was like, you have a big personality. And when you do karaoke, it's out of this world. You should consider drag. And I'm like, absolutely not. That's gross. That's disgusting. It's taboo. My family would kill me. But after a long, um, you know, a lot of decision making. And when you go to karaoke, you know how you magically as a young gay guy, you become friends with all the drag queens at the bar. Uh Uh-huh. And then karaoke nights lead to hanging out with the drag queens at night. And then thus, draglings are born. Mm -hmm. And that's when Dextasy was born. And her very first time performing, she did something from everybody's least favorite musical, um, Cool Rider from Grease 2. That is, oh, I've had three conversations about Grease 2 today. And I can prove it. I love Grease 2. I love Cool Rider. It is so fun and it's so campy. Yeah, Grease 2 is so good. That's what, you know, so I started my drag career off as a pink lady as the Stephanie Zanoni from Grease 2. (laughs) (laughs) I always wanted to be Paulette. Maybe that's why we get along so well. (laughs) So your very first performance was Cool Rider and you lip synced it? I did. And um, at that, that time, I only saw drag queens lip singing. So I never thought that you could or should do anything else. So that is so interesting that you bring that up because it was the same thing when I started. You know, I am, mm-hmm. I'm a singer. I'm a theater kid. And mm-hmm. I always felt, and I still, it's so taboo to say, but I always feel a little bit like I'm cheating if I lip sync. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I had such structure in theater growing up about, yes. no, you don't fake anything. You really have to go for it. every emotion, every note, everything you go yep. for. It. So it was a learning curve for me. And even though people were telling me when I started that I did it well, I was still in the back of my head. I had this imposter syndrome. I was like, I'm not kicking and splitting and death dropping and doing this, that, and the other thing. I'm just moving my mouth to the word. So I finally asked with the show director one day, I was like, why do people like, like, why, why am I getting any kind of bookings? And she said, there's just something about you when you plant your feet and there's the spotlight and you just tell a story with your face and Mm -hmm. you know, every breath. And and I was like, Oh, well that makes a whole lot more sense. Exactly. Then it takes it also from, um, from just pretending to telling a story, which is what theater always taught me to do. Yep. It took me a while to get into the lip syncing part. But one thing that I've always loved about you is that you have such a beautiful singing voice. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. No, you're so, no, somebody had literally just texted me. It's uh-huh. Gidget Galore. For those of you who listen to this all the time, she's just <laughs> being a bitch. Um, anyway, so one thing that I absolutely love about you is your singing mm-hmm. voice. That actually 
aided you in your journey to winning Miss Gay America. Mm-hmm. Fabulous talent. When did you uh, start to meld your your singing world with your drag world? So growing up, I was more, like you said, you were in theater. I did that, but I was more of a competitive choir singer. So where I got my structure and voice was for competing for different types of honor choirs, whether it be district, state, and national honor choir, regional honor choirs. And I was always very, very successful in that and sight reading too. So um, it started in about fourth grade. I started getting involved heavily with the ACDA, which is the American Choral Directors Association. And I just started singing my guts out. I did district, got first chair, did all state choir tryouts, got first chair. And I did national honor choir tryouts and got first chair. And so really choir was really what molded my voice. And in the high school that I grew up in, it's feeder systems, West Monroe High School and its feeder program is very, very good in their music. So if you if you're a guy that can sing, they just invest in you. And I had really great mentors in the choir and and that's really where it started was in choir. And then when I started drag, I didn't really know that you could do that until, you know, when I when it came time to compete and someone was like, oh, do this little talent gig night and I did it and I won it singing live and they went crazy and then yeah and it just kind of (laughs) stuck when actually when I sang live for the very first time um somebody was like oh you need to wear a red rig and a a black trench coat and you could do Winona so when I first sang live it was Winona and ironically Winona is what really assisted me in being visible in the Miss Gay America pageant system. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I went to Miss Gay America, my solo talent was Winona Judd, and they just went crazy. So really, mm-hmm. I owe a lot to my music background, the Winona Judd illusion, and for really, really spearheading me into Miss Gay America. Mm-hmm. What was your, your very first foray into the Miss Gay America pageant? Do you remember it? Like, like the first pageant, like, like what was that spark where you went, okay, I'm going to do this. And then what was it? So after obviously becoming obsessed with Miss Gay America, again, I, you know, growing up in choir and theater, you structure comes natural. You love it. You, you, you're obsessed with it. Miss Gay America was the same thing. So the straw that broke the camel's back is learning the, the, the rubric learning the preliminary circuits, and then finding out that there was a Miss Gay Louisiana. Oh my God. So when I found out that there was a Miss Gay Louisiana, I was like, okay, here we go. And then watching the pageant documentary. And when I saw people like Cody and Chantel, I was like, they had that in Louisiana. Like, Louisiana's in the middle of nowhere, but we have that too. We have a Miss Gay Louisiana every year that goes to Miss America. And then I learned how city prelims work. And then it just clicked. I said, this is it. I'm going to go do me a city prelim. I'm going to get me one of those little gold and AB crowns. And (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen at Miss Louisiana, but I get to be there with all those state level girls And at that time in the system was the controversy between Alyssa Edwards and Coco. That was my first year. So while I was, you know, leading up to that, that all that happened. And then I finally got to meet Coco Montrese, 
who in turn was one of the absolute best Miss Gay Americas. She really was. Yeah. And I, I've used her as an example of how, you know, everything happens for a reason. And there, there was, it was such a mess. I remember just yeah. sitting with Chantel and Coco was really good friends with Chantel and, and me, but really with Chantel at that point mm-hmm. and worked down the street at Disney. So she'd come over every day with the rule book and she'd sit there and she'd say, this is going on and that's going on. And yeah. it was so much stress on her. Yes. But as much as I feel that in her heart, she was kind of ready to not do it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that she did because she turned out to be absolutely incredible as a one of the best one of the one of the best Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's because she felt like she had something to prove which any of us when we're backed into a corner we go oh let me show you i could do it that's right that's Mm -hmm. right so you go and you do um miss gay louisiana yep was that you you did a city prelim Yep. So I did a city prelim called Miss Gay West Monroe. Um, And then I went to Miss Gay Louisiana 2010 and I was third runner up. So no ticket to Miss America. And then after that, um, a few weeks went by and the winner and the runner up were going and the runner up because, you know, the winner and the runner up go to nationals. Mm -hmm. Well, the first runner up was like, hey, my backup people dropped. Can you go? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that ended up like I'm going as a prop person and a dresser and a cheerleader. And then that's when I saw Cody win. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that means Cody is going to be the Miss America at Miss Louisiana next time. So I have to win 2011. Mm-hmm. So here we go again. Did a city prelim, went to Miss Louisiana and got second runner up. Didn't win or get a ticket again. And again, the first runner up to Miss Louisiana was like, hey, I need a dancer. I need a prop person. <laughs> so here I go. We go to Miss America a second time and Kirby Colby wins mm-hmm. coming down the most beautiful staircase. And it was at that time that I knew drag didn't have to be fierce. It could also be elegant. Yeah. And that was really a turning page for me. And then the third year, three times charm, I won my city prelim and then I finally won Miss Gay Louisiana 2012. And then that was where the monster was really born. (laughs) (laughs) And so what was your game plan going in as the winner of Miss Gay Louisiana? Something that you would work towards for a few years at that point. You get that. It's got to feel good in the moment. Like I've accomplished this goal, but then it's also this immediate kind of panic to try to get everything together to go to the next level. Right. Cause as we know, you know, people, you know, pride Miss Gay America in being like the Olympics of drag. Miss America's very polished. Every gown is incredible. You know, Miss Gay America is like the best of the best. So when I won Miss Gay Louisiana, I was excited while I won that. But at the same time, I was like, uh oh, I'm now a part of like, a real, real big pageant, the biggest one. Mm -hmm. And so I I knew that I was never strong in evening gown. And I looked funny as a boy because I was big and had a ponytail at the time. And, but I said, here's my goal. They will know my name during solo talent after this week is over. And that's when I got to utilize my live singing talents. And when I came out and did it, I didn't win solo talent, but 
they were like, who is this thing from the, who is she? (laughs) And uh, so really my goal was to just turn ahead or for someone to remember my name. And then the winner of that pageant that year was Sally Sparkles. And she was like, I think there's something about you. I think Miss Gay America was very electrified by you. I really see you as a Miss America. And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? (laughs) So there we have it. And that journey started at Miss Gay America 2013 in Columbus, Ohio. It's so refreshing and uh, makes me feel really good to hear you talking about some of the same struggles that I had when I was in pageantry. But Mm -hmm. even, even on Drag Race to this day, it doesn't matter how much money I spend on an evening gown. I can hire the best designers. It's never going to look on me how it is going to look on anybody else. Right. Not only am I fat, I'm also really short and I'm oddly proportioned. So <laughs> it's really difficult to kind of find how to accentuate something that's a positive and hide everything that the judges typically view as a negative. Yes. Um, and it took me a very long time to realize nothing on me is negative. I've just got to be positive about all of it. Uh-huh. So then when I started dressing up the flaws instead of trying to hide them, I had a little more success. Yep. But it, it's really difficult for those of us who don't fit the the pageant norm or now the TV Instagram norm uh-huh. to yep. really feel confident and beautiful sometimes. Absolutely. And I knew I was always falling short in those fashion categories. So that's when I had to really dig in and go, I have to make sure in places that fashion is not the criteria that I kill it. So talent and interviews, I was always a very high contender where gown, it was just like, for example, the year Asia O'Hara won Miss America. I literally lost Miss America because I was 10th out of 10 and I mean, ninth out of 10 in gown. So had I just had a a more consistent gown, maybe I would have won, but that's, you just have to really camouflage and compensate elsewhere. That was the game plan and it, and it, and it worked. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm also glad that you didn't win then because now you are the 50th anniversary. That's it's such a special position to be in. Yeah. Honestly, because Who's going, I mean, we're going to remember them all because we love them all, but mm-hmm. you're more inclined as just the the regular average everyday passerby to mm-hmm. recognize the 50th anniversary anything. So, yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's so special because for many years competing in the system, people like Cody would always take her hat off to me and call me the Miss Gay America historian. And, you know, <laughs> I love it. And I know a lot of facts about it and can recall lots of fun facts and memorabilia about Miss Gay America. So I think it's so special to be the 50th anniversary because people know how much this pageant has meant to me for so long. So it's it's just so crazy to be on the other side now going, this really did happen. Like uh-huh. this really did happen. <laughs> and it was so exciting to watch because, you know, we've only had one plus size Miss Gay America. That was Charity mm-hmm. Case. And how long ago was that? Charity won in, she was the 2001 winner. So 2001. She, yep. So, I mean, that that's 21 years ago. Yes. 
we had our first and only up until you plus size winner crowned. Was that ever daunting to you? Like, oh, they don't they don't crown fat girls. They like they're I'm never gonna get my due because no matter how good I am, they're mm-hmm. just not gonna let it happen. Because I have felt that way in certain yeah. situations. Um Luckily, I've always felt in my heart that Miss Gay America felt right. This is the right lane for me. And Charity Case, that's funny you say that. Her win ignited an entire change. Charity Case's win was really the one where any girl could be Miss America, whether you're big or different, whatever. Charity Case's win just truly knocked the door down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, Charity Case, when she was competing, she was also competing against, I call them drag titans, Kirby Colby, Linda Carrera, Mm -hmm. Sabrina White, Katia Lee Love. You know, for Charity Case, a woman of size, to win in that time frame I always knew that if she could beat those people, then hopefully I get my same fair shot on my merits that I bring to the table that they're not concerned about size. Mm-hmm. And there were some times where I was like, a judge can't say it, but they want to say it. But it was all about that wardrobe and looking refined and making sure that you fine tune every little detail. But 21 years later, and I think it's really great to be the 50th and going into another 50, especially after a pandemic and being, you know, someone that appears different, um, not only for plus size people, but for different races, different colors, you really serve as a beacon and hope for if I can, you can. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's why it was so exciting to see not just you get crowned, but for Shalita to be right up there next to you. Yeah. And you know, that's, um, two that... amazing plus size, gorgeous beauties that just knocked everybody's socks off and were being celebrated for being just as fabulous as they are. And that's the, and I, I love facts and fun facts. And this is the first time in Miss Gay America history that both the winner and the first runner up are of a plus size, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, body. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really cool. And I think it's really awesome. I do too. Now I, I we've talked a lot about Miss Gay America and I, I could talk about it for another hour and a half, I'm sure, but I want to know a little bit more about you. So like, like what things do you get into? What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite food? All that. As cliche as it sounds, I do love the Golden Girls, and I watch it every night to wind down. Um, I'm obsessed with popcorn. I love pickles, too. I have a cat, one dog, and really my obsession is Miss Gay America. I can get lost in the depths of YouTube looking at those old 1980 and 1990 (laughs) Miss Gay America videos. Um, I love to go out and eat with my friends. I love, 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 love going to karaoke. Um, And I'm a workaholic. I really do love my day job. I love being able to play Bruce Wayne where I'm a a dude here and turn the light switch on and I'm completely somebody else at night. And being from a very small, very small hometown, um, Monroe, a.k.a. West Monroe, 
is actually the home of Duck Dynasty as well. So you can really understand oh, where I live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really to bring, you know, to bring something like Miss Gay America here, it, it has really just uprooted the community. Like it was just not, I mean, for every one person that hates it, there's 20 that love it. But it's oh, yeah. just, yeah, and that's my life. I'm a small town, average, everyday Joe that just, I'll give you the shirt off my back. <laughs> Is there a, a love interest in the picture or on the horizon? or? Well, you know, doing drag, that pushes people 10 feet off. And then sometimes guys in our community aren't into heavyset guys. But luckily, when when I was young enough to know what Miss Gay America was, Miss Gay America, again, kept me focused. So it was always about Miss America, not necessarily a love interest or getting lost in this or that. So, yeah, after you peak 30, it's like, okay, so who's going to be waiting at home with me with the cat? Currently, (laughs) there's not. But hopefully during my yearly tour as Miss Gay America, I could find someone. But I'm one of those people. I'm not leaving my home. You can't come (laughs) to me. I have a good job. I have a good foundation. You know, so... If you want to be together, you got to come to me, baby. <laughs> well, that's the way to be. That's it. You gotta, you've got to know your worth and demand 10 times more. I think that's, that's what right. Trixie Mattel said. I don't know. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, if you're comfortable, just kind of about your weight loss journey. Like uh-huh. what sparked it? How large were you? What are you down to? What's your goal? Um, I will say I'm obsessed, you know, being a plus size person, I've always been obsessed uh, and not always in the best way with um, my 600 pound life. And I'm now obsessed with thousand pound sisters (laughs) for the simple fact that I see a lot of my toxic habits in these people. And it scares the shit out of me sometimes. Absolutely. And it, it makes me question like, what is my path? What can I do? Like, like, what was that for you? So all my life, I've struggled with weight. Really, when I was in about second grade, the weight started coming on. Um, Being an asthmatic kid, I was on steroids with the albuterol inhaler, and it just, you know, you gain weight. And then I just kept gaining and gaining. And then when I graduated high school, you know, still big, just kept eating and eating and eating. And... Being big never held me back. I was able to dance. I was able to go. Weight never held me back. So until it did, I was going to eat and drink and and drink alcohol and do what I wanted to because I was just the unstoppable big person. I didn't have health problems. I didn't have high blood pressure. So I just, I kept going. Now, with Miss Gay America, and here I go again with Miss Gay America. It's fine you become so tunnel vision and something that you neglect real life. And, you know, eating was my drug. If it wasn't Miss Gay America, I was shoving my face. And, you know, so it just kind of went hand in hand. And it was towards the end of 2018 where going to the grocery store was hard and tying my shoes was hard and putting on a seatbelt took longer than it should have. And, So at my biggest, I was 455 pounds. I tried to diet. I tried to carb cut, weight watchers, portion control. Nothing worked. So I got a fantastic promotion at my job and the insurance package was amazing. And, 
you know, one of my doctors was like, you maybe should consider weight loss surgery. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, always hear stories about you get it, you lose it, you gain it back. And it was a waste. So when I did it, um, I went through with it. I've lost 180 pounds. So I'm down to 276 and it kind of fluctuates because of different times of the year and how hard you're hitting the gym. So I range from like 276 to 300 and it just that 25, 24 pounds is just, you'll be 10 pounds lighter one day and the next you're not guess just water weight, but through the weight loss journey, it's, you know, and really when the pandemic hit, it really did, it really did teach me that you really have to take care of this body of yours. You really don't, you really don't understand until you're kind of faced with death because there was times where my fingers and hands and my feet would go numb and hot and cold. And it was just scary knowing that I could have a heart attack any day now. And I know that every chapter in my life hasn't been written out, especially one that I've been wanting for so long as Miss Gay America. So at the beginning I was doing, you know, the weight loss, you know, I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe I could be that cookie cutter mold and they'll finally give it to me. So this is in turn is going to help me in that place too. But I kind of, it all clicked that I don't need to do this for a pageant. I need to do this for my life and my well-being because if I can't be as, you know, as healthy and ready as I possibly can, what makes me think that I could be the best Miss America that I possibly could be? And then again, like you said, being the 50th, having that testament, having that story, it just, it's just another chapter in that, in that book of life. So I'm so grateful that I made the decision I did because I probably wouldn't be here today had I not, not done that. When did you get the surgery? I had the surgery. It was the, uh, the gastric sleeve. And I had that on Memorial Day weekend of 2019. Ironically, it was the same day that your good friend, our good friend, Kennedy Davenport won US of A. <laughs> God bless her. I miss that girl. Um, so you had it. And, and then what was it like? What's, like? what's the aftercare for that? I mean, I know I see it on TV, but like. I never get a chance to talk to anybody who actually had to go through the motions. Yeah. So after it, you're on a very strict liquid diet. So you drink broths, jello, water, sugar-free popsicles for about two weeks. Then you transition yourself into like pureed foods, baby foods, soups, and then you can go upgrade to mashed potatoes and then you can upgrade to this. So you kind of go from liquids to solids. And then obviously with any type of weight loss surgery, the restriction is much tighter and much smaller at the beginning. But now, like where I could only used to eat maybe like a handful of food, I can eat like a handful and two fingers now. So I can eat about eight ounces of food, basically like a lean cuisine or a small can of soup. That's it. Like a a small Lunchable. That's it. Can't have any more. And then you've got to make sure you're, you're staying on top of the gym and all that stuff too, right? Yeah, it is. And, and that's the, no matter if you're fat, skinny, lost a ton of weight, the gym is just, uh, I don't know where people get that in motivation, but once you're in the gym, once you're doing it, it's much easier when you're in a habit and it's just normal. Like for example, if the gym could become my new Miss Gay America, I would look like Richard Gere from Pretty Woman. <laughs> 
So I want to, I ask four questions to all of my guests that come on the podcast. And I want to ask you those questions. Mm -hmm. One, what is your definition of a local queen? I definitely think a local queen is someone who can invest back into her community. A lot of people get local queens confused with, oh, she's not on TV. She's not relevant. However, we've all been a local queen before. I'm we were- still a local queen. Right. When before- I'm at home, I'm still a local queen. Right. Um, before Miss Gay America's and RuPaul's drag races, everybody is always your local queen at a bar during her little, little gig. Um, so I think it's really important that these local queens have voices and that they have the community to support them and uplift them as well. And that that's a local queen to me. What would your advice be to any queen out there listening to this that wants to get started? Definitely follow your heart. If something feels right to you, take it, run with it. Trust your gut in every instance, no matter if the odds are against you. Even if your circle of friends says it's not for you, but you know you're the only one of the 10 of you that say it is, do it because that's what I did. Follow your gut. Always, always follow your gut because it's right. It's always going to be right. And if it's not, you know you're content with your choice. Well, and also even when it's not right, there's a part of you that knew in the gut deep down that it wasn't going to be. <laughs> that is very yep. good advice. Uh-huh. Um, I would also like to know what is your most embarrassing moment on stage ever? Oh God. And here we go right back to Miss Gay America. So it was about five or six years ago. I was finally invited to perform at Discovery, which is Norma Christie's bar, the first Miss Gay America. This bar was built for Miss Gay America. My most embarrassing moment on stage was doing my beautiful illusion of Winona Judd, and there goes my pants. <laughs> now, luckily, the Winona top was a dress, and it was long enough to cover my hoo-ha, but that's the most embarrassing thing, was here I am in Norma Christie's bar, and I lose my pants in front of the entire audience. Now, they all thought it was a costume change, and I went with it, but <laughs> oh my God, I was dying. And so uh, did you just keep going? You finish the number and then hobble off stage with your pants around your ankles? I jumped out of the pants, you know, like when (laughs) when they fell off, I jumped out of them like the Wicked Witch of the West, just the puddle. So I jumped out of them and continued singing. But it was just kind of like, there's like three people in the audience that were like, that was not supposed to happen. And, you know, it's always queens. Yeah. It's always those old queens in the back going, ugh. (laughs) Yep, I know I know them and I could probably name them. And now, um, and now we are them. We are them. But we have earned the right to be those bitter ass bitches. Exactly. So I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask you anyway. What is the most proud you have ever been on stage? The most proud, obviously, was two weeks ago being crowned Miss Gay America. It just, it brought to light and to one point everything in my life to that moment. That was the most validating, verifying confirmation that I have ever gotten. And it just, it just put into perspective that every no in every aspect of my life was worth it. 
Yeah, that is exactly true. Yep. I, I lied. I actually have one more question for you. <laughs> I want all of our fo- all of our listeners to go and follow you and keep up with all the amazing things you're doing throughout this year. So mm-hmm. where can they find you online? You can find me on Facebook. Um, my boy name is Dex, D-E-X. My last name is Poindexter, P-O-I-N-D-E-X-T-E-R. Um, you can also type in Dextasy, and it's not spelled like ecstasy with a D, but it's D-E-X-T-A-C-I. And then you can also find me on the Instagram um, under Dextasy MGA 2022. Wonderful. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms. All you have to do is go to gingerminge.com and look for that link tree. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and phone a friend. I don't care. Whatever you have to do. Dex, it has been so incredible getting to talk to you. I cannot wait to see all the amazing things you do this year with Miss Gay America. I am really excited for you. I am very excited too, and it's all come to this. I've always said for all you listeners out there to always think of your dreams as a win and not an if. Yes, that is some of the best advice we've ever gotten on this podcast. So I I love you so much. I truly do. And I can't wait for the day that our paths actually cross and I get to give you a big old hug around your neck. And until then, you take care and we'll talk to you next time. Love you too, girl. Bye. Thank you. Bye.